0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to the Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Jim Harris is uh, a professor of the history of science, medicine, and the environment at Ohio State University. The last time I spoke with uh, Professor Harris was on this program. was in October of last year. And we talked about the very thing we're going to talk about today. But now we have more information about COVID. And uh, Professor Harris wrote an amazing piece, Pandemics Today and Yesterday, the history of pandemics, which have decimated human populations over the centuries, over eons, from plague to influenza to HIV to Black Death to Spanish flu or H1N1 and now COVID. Jim, thank you for coming back on the program. How are you?
1: I'm, Will, I'm and well, and thank you for having me, back. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah. So you, uh, in, in the beginning of your piece, and it's, it's fascinating reading, folks, you should uh, just make sure you get a hold of this, Pandemics Today and Yesterday. Um, Jim, you call them in your piece deadly companions that are responsible for 14 million deaths a year. These are the viruses. It's, it's 14 million a year on a, on a good year, right? Uh, yes,
1: and uh, there's, there's some variance year year, but yeah, that's a conservative estimate, especially in parts of the um, developing world in particular.
0: And they've been with us since uh, since we began.
1: Yes, that's correct. We we've evolved alongside pathogens for as long as we've existed as a species, and many pathogens predate us as a species, frankly.
0: Yeah. So so globally, in recent decades, there's been HIV there's been SARS 2003 uh, HIV in uh, I think 19 in the early 1980s it first were, we became aware of it SARS 2003 H1N1 2009 and now COVID so how does COVID compare to any of the pandemics i just mentioned and uh, and can we say yet how COVID may compare to the global influenza pandemic of uh, of 1918
1: um in terms of the pandemics you just listed, uh, in the recent past, since the late 20th century, COVID has, in terms of um, number of cases and tragically mortality rates, blown them all out of the water. Um, so the impacts are far, far uh, greater, at least in the proximate impacts than any of those previous examples. Uh, SARS in 2009, which is another coronavirus, uh, taught us how pandemic could go global, um, but was um, uh, contained very quickly and didn't come anywhere close to the scale. Um, in regards to your question about the 1918 flu, yeah, how
0: does how does COVID compare with the with the so-called Spanish flu? Uh, we've seen the
1: um, series of the series of waves of of COVID were you know, worried about a potential fourth wave uh, happening in in some parts of the world is happening like India. Um, we, but we've seen three clear ebbs and flows of the course of the pandemic over the last year. And that's exactly what happened in 1918 where we had a early calmer wave and then a very um, dramatic surge in the colder months of the year. Just like we did uh, late last year with
0: COVID nineteen, now we're coming out of that. Yeah, the COVID, at least nineteen eighteen H one N one flu, was a monster which killed uh, between fifty and hundred million people globally when the global population was much smaller and we didn't have the k- kind of travel options that we do now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but it really was, it really was a monster, was it not? I mean, it, it just it. It, not only did it decimate populations and kill so many people, but it also created a tremendous amount of uh, emotional distress, and it happened in the middle of a world war, where it began in the middle of the war in 17. And exacerbated the pain
1: And as a result of that world war. Um, that's something that I really uh, try to tell audiences when I talk to them about, is that it, it, it was a real one-two punch of um, the generation that died, Uh, vastly in the uh, war were also abnormally affected by the flu uh, in 1918, 1919 as well. It was Mm -hmm. a 20 to 30-year-old generation that typically doesn't suffer mortality from influenza pandemics did in 1918.
0: When you look back, when you look at the list of the history of the pandemics uh, that you compiled, which one, and regardless of what time in history it was, which one to you was the biggest and the worst that did the worst?
1: Probably the second plague pandemic, the black death of 1347 to 1353, uh, between a third and half of the, uh, war, even if the number of population was smaller, but a third, between a third and half of the population of Europe was wiped out by this pandemic. And the legacy was century-long uh, ecological, um, uh, economic, and so forth. Uh, if we're talking about raw numbers, uh, that's probably 200 million people dying. The percentage of the global population was just so much higher than anything in history, even if. Right.
0: So, so, Jim, if, uh, so we, we have the Black Death, and in those days, they didn't have the communication capabilities that we have now. They didn't have any of the uh, really sort of the technical and mobilization or mobile capabilities that we have now. It must have been an absolutely terrifying experience for them, and there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of stuff going on along the, the borders of the flu. Where people turned on each other and it became a really, really ugly situation. Sometimes I look at some of these pandemics and I looked at your piece and I wonder how did they survive it? How did they get out of this? What did they do to try to protect themselves from becoming ill and dying? What did they do, Jim? Uh, basically,
1: social isolation. Um, actually, I was doing some uh, doing some uh, research and prepare for our call today, um, and I was reading a piece by. Professor uh, Mark Humphreys of Wilfrid Laurier, who has written a book on the 1918 flu in Canada. And um, that book is uh, The Last Plague, Spanish Influenza and the Politics of Public Health in Canada. And in his book and his article, uh, he talks about how regional variances in the local politics of uh, the uh, who who could isolate themselves in either economically or socially and how that generally um, allows people to survive, overcome, and and make it through. Whereas people who can't isolate have to work, frontline
0: workers, same thing is true in COVID-19 Right. That we're often. Jim, one thing that I want to ask you about before we get on to the other issues is diagnoses of these pandemics Now, there were misdiagnoses made, but there were misdiagnoses made of pandemics fairly recently, weren't there? Uh,
1: Certainly in the case of, you mentioned HIV a few minutes ago when we were talking. um, The closest example to misdiagnoses would be emphasis on particular demographics of the the disease and not realizing the disease was uh, spread by uh, contaminated blood and bodily fluids generally sort of social misdiagnoses as opposed to medical misdiagnoses in the recent past.
0: When you watch, read, learn about what's being done as far as vaccines are concerned in 2021 with COVID and the medical advances that are being made and the the efforts that are undertaken, is there anything at all based on the historical record that concerns you? Because we know we have people who are vaccine-resistant, Uh, Is there anything that concerns you, or do you believe we're at a good place now in our history where we can actually move forward with science and trust science?
1: I'm cautiously optimistic uh, about where we are with what scientists are are able to to do and have done pretty remarkably in the last year, specifically with regard to a vaccine. But uh, when when reading about vaccine uh, hesitancy, which is something I... Quite interested in, uh, particularly um, African American populations have a have a higher degree of hesitancy, and this is understandable given that there is there have been some pretty horrible medical missteps. Uh, specifically, a study that was done in Alabama on syphilis uh, called the Tuskegee Syphilis Experiment, where essentially African American populations were given a disease promised treatment never were. It was an ethical and medical disaster and has created uh, under very understandable hesitance and concern about science in certain populations.
0: Yeah. No, that's understandable when you have that history. Um, We're better at it now. Ethically, I hope, as well. If I were to you, and time goes by very quickly, if I were to ask you to take the um, pandemics, the most significant pandemics of the last 100 years. So we start with the Asian flu, fifty-seven, fifty-eight, 58. And uh, then if we jump ahead to SARS in 2003, which had quite a low level of infection, and then H1N1 in 2009, and now COVID. I, I'm sure you're gonna say COVID is the, it was the most serious of them, but how do you rank them? How would you rank those particular pandemics as far as the impact they had on people around the world at the time they were at their strongest.
1: Uh, certainly, you're right. COVID is it blows the others uh, out of the water at the top of the list. But beyond that, you know, if we go down the rankings, as it were, um, we we've definitely learned a, a number of th- th- multiple lessons from these past examples. So if we take SARS 2003 for example, um, it it really shows us. It showed us what we need to be cognizant of, that the ability to, that for pathogens to move around the globe so quickly in our increasingly uh, globalized society, that, that cases broke out in Hong Kong and made their way to Toronto in a matter of hours, for example, and became a rather a epicenter of one place in the pandemic, uh, but also that labs can share information in remarkable speed to, to study these uh, unknown to that time, diseases and gene sequencing and so forth.
0: Mm-hmm. So if we were to look at all of them, let's bring them all back into the picture here. I'll ask you to give me first, second, and third of the pandemics that have affected the human race and have claimed massive numbers of lives. Which is the the worst bully? Which is the second? And which one would you rank number three? In
1: the 20th century
0: or in ge- Just generally, right across the historical spectrum.
1: I think we might put COVID at the top of the list just because of the diver- the diversity of impacts, and then I would probably rank the Black Death as number two because of the the, the, the incredible mortality rate and the long legacy, and then the 1918 flu because it it also has this enormous mortality rate, and, and yet I rank it third even though it's the one that, as a historian, I'm most interested in because. Many of those consequences, until recently, have been forgotten.
0: Yeah. So, COVID number one, because of what it's done and what the the potential it has to continue. I'm I'm a little scared when you say COVID is number one uh, in history. But I respect, of course, your research shows you that. Jim, it's fascinating to look back. and It's fascinating to understand what has happened over the millennia of the you know we're talking about since the existence of human race and recorded history this is uh this is fascinating and we're we're not out of the cycle we'll never get out of the cycle there's going to be another one coming doctors specialists have told us that if you want to hear more subscribe to the roy green show on apple podcasts google podcasts spotify stitcher or wherever you find your favorites and if you like what you hear leave us a review and tell a friend i'm roy green have a great weekend